So, we've got another unnumbered podcast that we're throwing into the midst here. I know we put up the COVID-19 and the rescuer the other day. We've had 41 up, which is the Irish Coast Guard and D4H. 42 will be up on Friday. That'll be the podcast with Sean Cogan and Tom Wood about the rescue off the coast of Georgia. Today, though, had the honor of speaking with James over in Italy. James is a rope access technician in there. He just moved to Italy a month or so ago, just before the entire uh, country basically got you know hit by COVID-19 and shut down. And we had a really interesting conversation about where Italy is right now, what measures are in place, and Italy being about two weeks ahead of you know the EU and North America, maybe three weeks ahead, is giving us an insight of where we might be going. So, a podcast with James on what's happening in Italy. All right, so we've got a bit of a special podcast today where we're talking to James, who is a rope access technician that's moved from London to Italy for work and has happened to move just before and is now living in Italy during the current crisis that we have. We thought it'd be great to talk to James because he's probably two to three weeks ahead of where most people are right now in the EU and in North America to maybe see, you know, some insights of what's happening in Italy and maybe what we can prepare for over here. So thanks for uh, allowing us to give you a call this morning, James. Thanks a lot. I'm happy to be here. It's, uh, it's great to speak to you guys and um, see a sort of a different side of what's going on. Absolutely. And uh, I say this morning, but it's probably late afternoon in Italy, I assume. Yeah, we're just past 7 p.m. Right on. And so for a little background, you're a rope access technician and you've moved to Italy. And whereabouts in Italy are you? So I'm in Trento. Uh, it's about three hours from Milan, uh, just slightly north of Lake Garda in terms of geography. It's, uh, it's sort of in the middle of a valley. So we're we're not, you know, we're not a major city, but we're not you know, completely out in the sticks. So it's, uh, there's a few people here still. Okay. And our... Like, are people in that city sick? I mean, excuse some of the ignorance of my questions, but the news is fairly limited on specifics over here. So are people in that city actually sick? Yeah, so we've, uh, it's a little bit difficult for me because I have to, I don't actually speak Italian at the moment. I, I came out here with the, the incentive to learn. My girlfriend's um, fluent in Italian. Obviously, she she's from here. So I have to kind of translate through her what what the numbers are saying, um, but it's not it's not been very good. There's uh, there's been I can I can get the exact number actually. But it's uh, it's it's increasing by the day. This is the problem that we were sort of told you know oh, 10 people from the town, maybe 15 people, and then suddenly the official numbers come out and they're much much higher than what we anticipated. Okay, and is that? Um... Is that still growing? Like, has this plateaued in Italy or in your area, or is it still rising at this point? So we've we've come up to. Um, unfortunately, they're, they're actually updating the World Health Organization numbers right as we speak, so I can't see the exact statistics. But today we were coming up to sixty thousand, and the last few days it's been it's been going higher and higher. So I'm not able to see if it's gone over that, but sixty thousand compared to anywhere else in the world is you know it's a huge huge number. It's still, yes, still climbing, um, I'm told. I, I don't believe we've, we've plateaued yet. So you come there from London. You still have family back in London that you're talking to. How far ahead 
um, do you feel Italy is down this road than, say, London is right now? So it's pretty interesting because I've been sort of, you know, feeding the information back to my family and um, talking through WhatsApp or whatever it might be. And everything I've said, roughly speaking, it's been about a two week, two week gap between what happens in Italy to what happens in London. And uh, slowly I can see it's getting it's getting the same. You know, we, we have a lockdown. We've been told we can't travel somewhere. We can't do, you know, activities outside anymore. And then suddenly London has a very similar um similar news okay so initially it didn't start as a lockdown was it just a kind of restriction of movement or how did it start initially so first of all we were sort of told um you know coronavirus is around it's this big big thing on the news and it's, it's happening in china but nobody really had any idea obviously it's still like that in many places at the moment but we were kind of we had a bit of a fear and then Gradually, they were putting news out. People should begin to start to stay at home. If you can work from home, then you know you're much better off because you haven't got to integrate with all these people. But the thing with the Italian people is they're very respectful. You know, we we haven't had any of this um, panic buying or people rushing out and and sort of taking everything for themselves. It's been pretty good. We, we've we've slowly slowly eased into the situation, which uh, which has made it easier. But at the same time. Like I say, it's around 15 days now that we've been inside. It's that, that part's not easy at all. Okay, so at some point it went from go home, stay home, kind of yeah. limit what you're doing outside to you're not going outside now. And that was about 15 days ago. Uh, I would say probably 10 days ago that you can't go out at all. Um, but there was a point where, same as London is at the moment, you could go out for a run, you know, you could go to the park and walk your dog. Whereas all of that's been stopped now. They're, they're saying like absolutely no go. You know, if you want to go outside to walk your dog, you, you take it outside the front door and, and you, you stay in like a 10 meter radius. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. So in order to go and get things like groceries, what's the process? Like, what do you have to do? So you print off a form online, um, which is a self-declaration to say that you're not sick, you've not been in contact with anybody that's sick. And then um, you sign it yourself, date it, uh, you put a start destination and an end of what it is you're doing. And then on your way to the store, you'll potentially be stopped by the police. You might not, but then if you're for up to what you're up to 4,000 euros. Sorry, can you say that again? I lost you for a little bit there, just the connection. So you signed self-declare and you start going and so you could possibly stop by the police. Yeah, so if you get if you get stopped and uh, your form essentially that you've written doesn't match up to what you're doing, you know, if you're if you're saying you're going to the store and you're out in the mountains hiking, uh, you could potentially be fined up to four thousand euros. Okay. And this form, like, what are considered acceptable activities? Literally, you had to go to the pharmacy to pick up some some medical, you know, something for yourself or family member or you're going to the store to pick up supplies so you can survive. And when you get to the stores, is there like a lot of people there, a lot of people going out and buying stuff, or is it pretty much just a ghost town at this point? No, so I actually did, um, I mean, I say we've been on complete lockdown for 15 days. I did actually go to the store probably four days ago and uh, had to you know, fill the form out, go with the procedure, and there was maybe 10 people outside the main supermarket here. Everybody was two meters apart, gloves, masks. Um, it was a complete ghost town, no one around. 
And then uh, the situation in the store was they were allowing one or two people in at a time and just regulating the numbers. So when you're going outside, then you're wearing complete personal protective equipment and gloves and masks and goggles and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I kept it fairly casual with the gloves, mask and pair of sunglasses. I didn't go, you know, too, too over the top with it. But the thing with Italy here is there's not a huge amount of people around. So it's quite easy anyway. You know, the, the supermarket on a on a normal, say, Saturday when people are going shopping, it's there's not that many people. It's busy, but it's not anything like London might be. Okay. Um, do you have any idea of how long this is going to last? Like, as the government said, we're in lockdown till it's done or we're in lockdown for a week or is it being reevaluated? So at the moment, we've been told that up until the 3rd of July, there is a uh, there is a rule that each of the different regions are allowed to um, to sort of almost create their own policy in a sense where if they feel that their region is maybe okay and there's not very many people that have got coronavirus, then people can start to integrate a little bit more. Um, and if another region believes, say, that they're swamped with it, absolute no-go, they stay inside. Now, this this is allowed up until the 3rd of July. However, at the moment, we're still not sure what the plan is in terms of wh when the um, you know when we're going to be allowed to go back outside. So there's there's no real clarity as of such, we don't we don't really know. Okay, um, as it a, besides being locked down, I mean, do you know anybody that's been affected, like a neighbor or anything like that? Like, how close to home is this hitting for you? Other than having basically all your personal freedoms removed. So, well, so we had a uh, we had a friend tell us that there was an old person's home nearby um, where one person actually had the virus they didn't know, and it wiped out the entire entire old person's home so oh after hearing that from somebody that we actually know it's it's pretty you know it, it makes you realize you've got to be got to be careful thankfully both myself and my girlfriend we're you know we're young we're we hope fairly fit and able but from what i'm hearing in london it sounds like it could actually be a different story there's there's reports of quite young people being severely hurt by it yeah, and I mean, it's uh, you hear a little bit about that in the States and in Canada, not as much, but there are some younger people that are showing signs and symptoms and definitely having some issues on the recovery side of it. But um, that's incredible to have an entire care home wiped out, and that certainly brings it home. Um, as regards to work, I take it most what I would consider non-essential stores are closed. Is so, yeah, it started off with... Um non-essentials you know uh, you, you don't if you don't need to open if you've got a shoe shop say or a clothing store that it doesn't need to be open and then uh, about halfway through the quarantine the uh, prime minister did a an emergency report about 11 30 at night a live speech sorry where he said um absolutely all uh, manufacturing of everything other than food and uh, medical supplies is, is completely stopped you know it's, it does not carry on anymore so that was that was quite interesting to see because obviously a lot of people then become out of work and you know there's there is no need for them to travel they're, they're stuck at home yeah and i mean that's interesting as well we apparently in canada had a million people apply for employment insurance last week alone wow. um, which is it was some incredible number like five percent of the working population of canada and it's haven't seen numbers like that even during the Great Depression. So I would assume things are like that in Italy. Is there um, 
is there any relief from the government for workers that are out of work right now? Have they, or are they still just focused on trying to fight the virus? I think at the moment it's it's mostly focusing on the virus. The uh, the prime minister initially on the first sort of first week of what happened, he said he's got two choices, and that is to either save the economy or save the people, and uh, and he chose to save the people. So we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, the economy is going to be completely screwed. Yeah, I mean that's we're looking at that as well, and it's an interesting conversation that I won't get into here about you know because. Trump in the States is now starting to stand up and go save the economy, not the people. That's kind of what it sounds like. So it's uh, I mean, I'm sure people can make arguments for and, you know, against each side. But we'll try to avoid that on this particular <laughs> conversation. Well, this, this is the um, the argument that many people are having, actually, because a friend of mine works in a uh, <laughs> excuse me, respiratory ward in uh, central London. And uh, she was saying that what what sort of you know what actually happens after all of this you know once it's all calmed down once we're all told okay there's there's no more sick people is there going to be a second wave well that's that's an interesting question right does it does this end up cycling like a regular influenza and i understand it's not a regular influenza but you know all of a sudden it disappears for the summertime and come next September or November yeah. for us or whatever, all of a sudden we get round two of this or does it mutate? I mean, there's a lot of what ifs out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty scary because we could all be going outside, you know, everything's fine and then suddenly lockdown round two, which, uh, uh, you know, it's not something that anybody wants to happen, but we've got to be prepared that it's not just going to disappear. You know, it, it, we talk about it affecting the economy, but how long is it going to last for? Exactly. Now, from a personal point, how is this, you know, war away on you from like, you're out of work, you're stuck in your house? How's your mental status? It's been difficult, to be honest. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been very difficult. I'm, I'm quite lucky that I, uh, I do a lot of freelance work. So I do photography, travel, um, video editing, all sorts of different things from the computer. So I've been able to keep myself maybe a little bit more occupied than some others, but it's not been uh, it's not been pleasant at all. I, uh, I I decided to <laughs> to upsell off the balcony the other day to go and clean the gutters because I just had nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, we call those honeydew lists over here in North America. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they're the same over there, but <laughs> I've managed to to do a few of uh, knock a few off of my list here as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean how. Yeah, how is it with with people um, over in Canada? Are they are they preparing or are they just sort of thinking it's it's going to come, but we don't have to worry at the moment? I, it's unfortunate, but I think we've started to become very polarized as a con country, starting to move along the lines of the states. And I generally see kind of three groups of people, but it's probably more because of my age and background. One, I'm former military. And all my military friends are stockpiling guns and ammo and, you know, end of the world Armageddon stuff, quite literally, right? Like they're, they're figuring there's going to be civil unrest and everything else. I've been a firefighter for 25 years. And from that point of view, I won't say it's business as usual, because obviously there's precautions and other things that we need to take that are, that are changed. But I mean, generally the other night I run on a rescue truck, we cut some drunk driver out of a car, we went to a fire. I mean, it was it was kind of like regular Friday night at the at the yeah. zoo, right? I mean, it's 
yeah, you're getting COVID calls mixed in. You've got different PPE requirements, different decontamination requirements, but you hate to say it's business as usual. And maybe that goes to show the state of lack of lockdown that we're in, that we're still yeah. going to the same calls we'd go to on any other night. That being said, I haven't been at work. Um, I go back tomorrow. I'm on my four off. And uh, so it might have changed 100% by the time I get back because obviously this is changing at a pretty phenomenal rate. And then the last group of people, and like I said, I'm a Generation Xer, and there's a lot of Gen Xers that are just like, you know, I'll just stay at home and play video games. This is like my youth. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and I, I don't want to simplify it or be trite about it or anything, but those are generally the three groups of people I hang out with and just kind of the way those three groups of people are dealing with it. I mean, I have late teenage into 20s children and I'm giving them crap on a daily basis. They're going to house parties. They're going downtown. They're, oh, it's great. The roads are clear. I don't have to worry about traffic. And they just view, they view it as something different. But I mean, when I was 17 years old, I joined the army. A, I thought I was invincible. And B, six months, mine's have been six years. Yeah. And it's trying to educate that particular group. I finally got my son to stay at home for a little bit, which is nice. He's starting to take it a little bit more seriously. But for him and a lot of his mates, it's this whole spring break thing. A lot of them got out of university. They've got their regular time off. They already had plans and they really weren't changing their mind come hell or high water. And it's, uh, and trying, yeah. trying to tell young people not to do it or we're going to enforce it. I mean, how did that work for us when we were that age? <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not easy at all. And the thing is, as well, that we I'm starting to see from from London is there's people I know that are like, oh, you know, I'm I'm not bothered about it. I'll be fine. I'm a runner, or I go to the gym, whatever. And then suddenly, I've had a few friends actually that have been quite ill, and whether they had the virus or not, we don't know because they weren't tested. But it's it's the integration they then have with maybe a their mum, their dad, their grandma, you know who potentially in a week or two's time might might get very sick and, and even die. It's, it's worrying. I think it worries everybody. I mean, from the end of January to the middle of March, I flew through Narita, Osaka, LAX, San Diego, Vancouver. <laughs> and all of a sudden now, you know, when you're coming back from those, you get a, a sniffle or a cough or, you know, you're not feeling 100%. And the first thing you start thinking is, oh, crap. And yeah. touch wood so far, but we're being exposed to it daily at work and just hope that the precautions work and that, um, you know, we'll carry on as usual from that end, from the from the fire department point of view. So is that something that you have to take into precaution at work as well? So say if you're uh, maybe doing a rescue and, and you've got somebody, you know, very, very close to you, harness is attached, whatever it might be, are you having to wear a different type of protective equipment? So what it basically is for us is um, call it standard PPE, which is, and there, this may have changed in the four days that I've been up here, but before I came up, it was basically uh, gloves, mask, and we're talking uh, fit tested N95, goggles, mm -hmm. two meter distance away from the patient. If you must go within two meters, or there's going to be some procedure performed, in which case bloodborne pathogens, uh, saliva, something like that may be transferred. Then it's Tyvek suit on top of that, splash guard. And when you're done that, it's a total decontamination system. So, I mean, it's, it's ripping those stuff down, sending those out as biohazard. 
and cleaning after, and then it's self-monitoring. If you're exposed due to accident, if you want to call it that, you know, where you weren't in that top level of PPE and due to situational or circumstance, you became exposed, then that entire crew is pulled out of service and quarantine for 14 days. Oh my gosh. So it's, it has a big, big impact on, um, on everything really on, you know, who's, who's going to be on shift and what equipment's going out. Exactly. And so right now I know a couple of the Metro Vancouver fire departments, there's 27 cities in Metro Van, all of them have their own fire department. A few of them are now going to 24 on, 24 off, 24 on, four off in order to limit. We usually do 10, 10, 14, 14, day, day, night, night. And they're doing that to try to limit the amount of cross exposure from different crews. And like I said, I go back tomorrow and I'd suspect that there's going to be differences in protocol. I know two departments now are running SCBA because they're basically out of N95 masks. So they're going to medical calls in full SCBA. And then they're running a decon on that when they get back um, or back to the truck. They're not even putting that stuff on the rig. So it's definitely up the game from that point of view. But it's interesting. I mean, with the fire service, along with the police, paramedics, frontline medical workers, what have you, it might be more frequent. The PPE requirements might be higher, but generally it's still the same job day in, day out. Yeah. Yeah, I see. And the, the other thing that sort of ties in with that, you, you mentioned on the previous podcast with regards to equipment, you know, places in Italy, we've got a lot of manufacturers here that are closed down. Is is that something you think going forward is going to become a problem that you can't, you know, you can't actually get the equipment you need? Well, I just put it out on the website. There's a Stanford study and I, I can't get a verification of it. I put it up anyway. It's about basically baking your 3M N95 mask to kill any um, virus on it and then reuse it. I know, like I said, departments are going to SCBA and then they're just cleaning them with a decontamination solution when they come out of the call because they've run out of, um, you know, respirators like a half mask or a N95 or something like that. So equipment challenges have already started to occur. And even on one of the other podcasts, um, you know, talking about cleaning the rope in the, you know, one-tenth bleach solution, they say you can only do it a few times and your rope's going to be shot. And generally in fire, we wouldn't do that, but it comes to the point where, and nothing's off the table anymore. Um, you know, a lot of stuff we can decontaminate, but when it starts to come to life safety equipment, like harnesses and whatnot, if there was any question in the past, we would just throw it in the trash and just buy new stuff. There are still stores that are supplying first responders. We're obviously at the top of the list for gear. Um, a lot of places aren't supplying like I couldn't go out as Ronin and buy certain things right now unless I have a letter from the government for certain projects that we're working. But from fire, I can phone up and pretty much buy whatever I want as long as it's available. So there is some differences there. Oh, OK. So they are segregating your, sort of your general person going to buy things and somebody that actually needs it for, for a, um, you know, rescue or, or response. Yeah. And I mean, it's and it's getting a bit silly. Um, you know, we, we found, we went through Ronin, we found some small N95 masks. I don't even know why we had them. And we go, we took them to the local hospital and said, hey, you know, they're smalls. Could you use them? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. And somebody else, and, you know, I won't say who it was, was like, why'd you do that? You could put those on like um, one of those online sale things, like an Amazon or something. I can't oh, remember. Yeah. What these, 
He says, you could, you could make like 15 bucks a mask. And you're sitting there thinking, yeah, and that's what, where in the problem lies right now. <laughs> there, was a, there was one I saw online, a guy bought like 16,000 liters of hand sanitizer and he, he couldn't sell it. something ridiculous like that. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. They're slowly cottoning onto it, though. In London, they uh, they released some news yesterday to say that they're uh, they're trying to you know make it illegal now to actually benefit from from a, a situation like this. I mean, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. People are trying it. Well, people will try anything. We know that. So, um, what's the outlook look like for you and your girlfriend there? Um, what's the next week look like for you now? So at the moment, we're we're preparing for full lockdown until I don't know. I reckon April, going well, probably end of April. We th we think that we're going to start to be able to go back outside again. However, neither of us are convinced that we're we're that happy to go back straight into you know normal day to day life. But we'll have to um, we'll have to see. Considering we've just moved here, you know, it's not been not been that long. Sort of yeah. the end of December was the first first week we got here, and then. My girlfriend started working pretty quick. I've struggled with the language, so it's put me back a little bit. But yeah, we weren't expecting this at all. The biggest problem we have got, though, is uh, we've got a puppy that's um, been born in another region, and she's due to come home on the 18th of April. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see whether we can go there and pick her up or not. Yeah, and that's, you know, there's a big conversation. Two of the provinces in Canada, Ontario and Quebec, have started putting in essential business you know, definitions and other provinces are slowly doing the same. And you put three people in a room and try to get them to decide what an essential business is. I'll just bring the popcorn and watch because it's, there's a lot of variety in that. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a tricky one. I mean, the, the breeder that we're getting the dog from has got 25 uh, Bernese mountain dogs at the moment and he's in, he's in quarantine. So uh, is yeah. that essential or are the dogs just going to run wild? Yeah, and I mean, that's a whole other issue, right? It's, uh, you know, the health and welfare of not just people, but the animals and, you know, uh, the economy of pretty much everything. It's, uh, it's a challenging time for certain. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's the uncertainty that's doing it for us. You know, where, where do we go? What do we do in, in the coming months? But I think we're slowly getting a little bit more clarity. The, um, the government's been very good here. I just, I just hope London follows the same sort of guidelines, really. It's, uh, it's not good. The, the people in London sort of, they still feel like they're in the dark with it. I think I lost you there again. Oh, sorry. I was just saying yeah, the the uh, the clarity of the government in Italy has been very good, though, in terms of you know stay at home, do not go out, you will be fined. You know, it's it's been very very strict. Whereas in London, it's it doesn't seem to have followed on yet. So I'm quite intrigued to see how it goes. I mean, my you know my background living in London for so long, I've been following the news maybe more than I have been in Italy because we're just you know we're inside. It's it's a lot easier for me to understand as well. That's the other thing with the language. No, understandable, 100%. And I think you're right. It's that mixed message and that unknown. I mean, our government just the other day said, go home, stay home, unless you have to go out. But before that, it was, well, you know, kind of go out if you want and stay six feet away from people. And then you got a lot of this media and social media shaming because you'd have groups of people that were all six feet apart. And they're like, well, those people shouldn't be together unless they're a married couple. And it's like, well, the church has been trying to practice abstinence for outside of married couples for millennia and it hasn't worked. So 
I don't know how you figure you're going to get boyfriend and girlfriend to stay apart from each other, regardless if it's a virus or not. And it's, you know, it's that mixed messaging all around, right? Yeah. And the problem with English people I found as well is, you know, that they're, they're told, oh, you can go out for a run, you know, once a day you're allowed out for a run. So what happens? Every single person in England becomes a, a runner. It's, it's never going to work. You know, it's like saying, my, my view would be it's like saying to English people, there's there's free beer in all the pubs, but no one can get drunk. You know, how how are they actually going to going to regulate that? It just doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. And it's I guess that's the big thing is regulation. And we've come so far away from, you know, lockdown societies. You know, people talk about, you know, what had people had to do during, you know, the world wars and stuff. But our society I don't know if the word progressed is correct in this one. I don't think the word evolved is correct either, but have moved so far away from that dynamic that I think it would almost be impossible to go back and do that. It would take a lot of hardship before people started actually understanding, you know, staying indoors or following that kind of strict etiquette, I think. <laughs> yeah, and being patient as well. That's another one massively, you know, that especially with the with the kids nowadays you want something it's pretty much there it's, it's instant you know we live in a life where we're, we go on our phones instant gratification communication everything you know years ago people just didn't have that absolutely well anyways i appreciate your time on this and uh you and your girlfriend and all your friends and neighbors and family i wish them all all the safety that you know we can give them and uh that everything works out for you over there and that this is short and painless as possible for you. Likewise to you. Thank you very much. And um, I look forward to, you know, keep in contact and find out what's, what's sort of happening with the, the progress, see if things are matching up as, as they are here in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to do this again. Look forward to it.